for the longest time, I was like, how do I find my purpose? What's finding purpose like, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, yeah, you don't find a purpose. You choose your purpose. And Hi, my name is Anand. I'm an MBA student at the University of Toronto. Welcome to The Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior, using lessons from pop culture and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient, and happy life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Why Coordinate podcast. This week, we have a really special guest uh, here today. Uh, he is uh, one of the most uh, interesting people that I haven't had the pleasure of not getting to know very deeply, but from what I know, he has such a diverse range of interests, um, and I'm really excited to have him here today. Um, Chandan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, Anand. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here as well. Uh, I've been planning to reach out and see if I can get on the podcast. It's a, it's a great uh, great way to get to know um, everyone and yourself as well. Just a quick introductions. My name, um, I am originally from India, born and brought up in Bangalore. Um, was there, uh, I remember fond back days of Bangalore when it was like pre-congestion, pre-IT days, and um, it used to be quaint little um, area we could walk to walk to school. Growing up there uh, in this in that massive city, after uh, for undergrad, I decided I wanted to move out, uh, explore the country a bit, and then moved to nearby enough, but have a place called the Nighty Suratkal. It was right beside the beach. Loved uh, growing, loved studying there for four years, and then after my undergrad in mechanical engineering, I moved from one uh, coastal area to another coastal area, which was uh, on the other side of the world, and in Vancouver. Uh, pursued my a master's in mechanical engineering again at UBC in Vancouver. Again, um, was exposed to a lot of different cultural changes. Uh, amazing place to be in if you if you are in Canada and uh, if you want to explore wilderness and outdoors. It's been an incredible journey for the past eight years that I've been in Vancouver and now looking to move into the business cycle and join. That's what, that's what brings me to the MBA. That's quite a profile you have, Chandan. <laughs> I, I didn't know that you were born and raised in Bangalore. And just to, I, at this point, I guess everybody knows about Bangalore, but if you don't, Bangalore is like the Silicon Valley of India where all the big tech firms have their offices. Um, And now if you, fun fact about Bangalore, if you open Google Maps um, at any time of the day, all the roads are always red and congested. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely didn't, uh, didn't grow well, (laughs) didn't plan well. Um, But yeah, I remember times when it was not that congested and it's, it's nostalgia now. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, I think that's true for most major cities. Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, so my next sort of question building on that is, uh, Chandan, do you have a funny story about you from uh, that your family likes to talk about? Maybe from your childhood? Or... Yeah, perhaps um, this one's slightly more <laughs> on the controversial side. <laughs> so when I was really young, like two years old, um, like, we there's this process in India where you're supposed to go get a haircut when for the first time in like your native town. Um, we didn't get a chance, so for for like two years I had really long hair uh, when I was really when I was a kid. But then my parents decided to get a passport done during that time, um, so they got this passport and everything was fine. But like five years afterwards, when we came when it came time to use it, um, we went through apparently 
we went through the airport. We were going to Oman. Uh, we cleared the Indian checkout. Everything is fine. But in Oman, when we landed, uh, the passport apparently actually read uh, <laughs> the gender as female. And the, the photo of the photo of photo was me as a kid as with really long hair. <laughs> I was a grown like I was a kid with uh, with short hair and as a boy. So the officer was asking, "Who's whose kid is this?" <laughs> so um, definitely a very uh, <laughs> impossible uh, scenario to get out of. But then, yeah, fortunately, my dad was able to talk the officer out of it and uh, <laughs> was basically said, "Okay." He's our kid. If you if you don't believe it, keep him with you, and that we'll we'll go and fight the back. Um, but yeah, so then the officer just allowed us, and we came back, and then had the passport updated after that. <laughs> that is right. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's like um, no one in India checks all these things, but then as soon as you go abroad, everyone everybody's it's really yeah careful about it. Yeah, I I remember this one time we were traveling in uh, in Europe. and my schengen visa was expiring on the 13th of august and on the 13th of august i was like i was on the fl- i was taking the train to london so i was exiting the schengen even then they like they were like oh your visa expires today you're and you're leaving today like you can't so I was like what what are you going to do i'm trying to leave your country <laughs> yeah what's the point of leaving <laughs> <laughs> so that was very stressful but like i was the first one to go on the nasran with my family so like then my mom my dad my sister all four of us had the same problem okay four people i mean and i also looked um you know suspicious with like my really long beard at that time so um all that this was in like the the background of uh, or oh, 20 all, yeah um so yeah anyways uh <laughs> moving on uh So yeah, immigration can be funny at times. They very very funny. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a funny uh, BBC. Um, I don't know if it's controversial, but like there's this BBC comedy sketch about like these two brown guys who get called up for like. Have you seen? Have you seen the one that I'm talking about? No, I don't think so. So so like they called up that they, they get called for like the security for like you know in interrogation. things like that and then at the end they're like okay we'll send the next set of brown guys in they're going to i don't know that um so yeah because there's this like you know on one hand there's this sort of perception but then on the other hand there's also this overcompensation for like you know we don't want to like stereotype like a fine band yeah. yeah but i think let's let's dive into the topic for today and um i think the way you uh framed it was uh, why do humans search for meaning in life and how how do you want to like start off there are multiple angles to look at it um yeah um i think this one's something that's i think many of us can relate to especially if you move abroad or if you're going through quarter life crisis or yeah. midlife crisis or however you yeah. want to call it um everyone starts looking for why they exist what they want to do yeah um and i went through the stage of myself um mm-hmm. in like 2018 or 2017 2018 and that's when i was trying to find out okay what do i want to stand for um where do i want to go next and it's been a long journey to understand and get to know myself uh, along the way and uh, i think this discussion of this will probably help someone else along the way mm-hmm. and that's why i brought it up mm-hmm. uh, perhaps we can start off by i think th- yeah you had there was a lot of discussion around like religion that we can encompass in within this but maybe let's start off since we're all from the mba circle in the business maybe we can start off from like understanding from a scientific point of view 
mm-hmm. what where life started right um mm-hmm. from perspective of sciences life is basically stochastic it's it's determined determined by chance there is a lot of random randomization in there yeah. uh, even evolution is random but there's a selection order that comes in because of the survival of fittest but at the core it's random evolution um, random things that come together that yeah. by chance or something and growing up like i've been i am still very spiritual uh, my family has been very spiritual um, the scientific kind of discussion was at at the was antithetical to how how, how kind of like indian philosophies are in terms of faiths and uh, religion and that's what kind of got me thinking about what is life or what is the meaning behind life if everything is basically just random mm-hmm. um, like an asteroid could fall on uh, around on earth the next day and you can't you would attribute it to fate you can't attribute it to fate but it's practically just random right yeah um so maybe we can start our discussion there maybe let, let me ask you like like how do you when i propose this idea what were your thoughts as well and uh, we can walk from there yeah so there's sort of two things um that come to mind for me when i think about like meaning of um i love how you've sort of taken the <laughs> seat of the host but uh Uh, so the first thing is uh, you look at like these um you know people who become one of the biggest sort of struggle or like you know striving that anyone does is you know getting some sort of financial independence <clears throat> you start off with like you know going to school then going to college trying to get a job then go grow within your job that sort of is like the whether you accept it how um uh, i mean it's always there in the background of your life in terms of that is something that you have to be sad um, like the humdrum of life right yeah yeah so that's like on some some level that's like the meaning or the goal that you're sort of working towards but so to get a sense of this meaning of life business you look at you know people who have too much of financial independence like you know you who who've achieved a lot of success you look at people like bill gates or more recently you look at you know uh, entrepreneurs who startups went very very successful or celebrities um so you what do they do then like what, what meaning of life is left for them because they've achieved the one thing that you know most people work towards everybody i'm assuming at least i can say quite safely that you know everybody in our cohort in business school having spent about uh, six figures to you know did everybody is looking to get a nice job if that's been taken care of then what is the meaning in life and uh people then sort of uh what i've seen is for the first year they'll they'll spend uh it on all the things that they've always wanted to spend all like the material things fancy cars fancy holidays yeah. travel the world etc cetera, etc cetera. but either two things will happen either if they were like a celebrity who achieved overnight fame for something then the wealth will run out that that get from home alone some of these other sort of uh single one second fame though and then sort of then it's like a sad story the other kind is like you know entrepreneurs who are extremely rich uh they then don't know what to do so then they yeah. start getting into philanthropy there is there's a reason why all these millionaires billionaires uh get involved into philanthropies because then that gives them a greater purpose what what does bill gates have to do like he he has this really successful company and you know he doesn't have to worry about paying the bills at all so now he started this you know foundation where he's trying to do clean water and vaccines and this and that um so that is one and then the second thing i realized was that a life where you don't have anything to strive towards is extremely boring like you 
will get put there. You always need some goal to work towards. Um, and that sort of is like the quote-unquote uh, meaning. Um, and then the sort of other aspect was uh, the hedonic treadmill. So like there's, uh, I'm sure you've heard of something called WordPress, which was like a blogging platform in the yeah. 2000s that brought in the web 2.0 and became really popular uh, for like other things for, like websites. I think there's a statistic where like 60-70% of all websites on the web currently are based off of WordPress. Um, so there's a new sort of, pla- but that's based off of PHP and it's a little dated of security loophole. So there's a new platform called Ghost um, that's based off more modern web technology. That's also extremely popular. And the founder of Ghost uh, can, can if he wants, he can become extremely rich by making that uh, for-profit organization. He runs it as a non-profit organization with a small team of 11 people. He has absolutely no belongings. All his belongings fit in his back. He just travels the world with and like, works remotely. And his, thing, his thinking is that you know, we have we have this thing called the hedonic treadmill, where every time you get a life upgrade, uh, initially it'll seem nice, but then you get used to it, and it doesn't give you that sort of happiness and excitement that it originally did. Like you can, when you buy a Mercedes for the first time, you you'll really like it, but then within like a few months, it sort of gets old. And uh, so he artificially restricts himself from you know getting comfortable with things like that. And I, those are like the two three thoughts that came into my mind. Um, I know you have much more. You've probably done much more thinking about this between stoicism. Yeah. So and, um, no, it's it's fascinating because that's why I like to like talk to people about such areas because everyone approaches it from a different angle, right? Yeah. Um, and everyone's life experiences just brings in nuances that mm-hmm. changes how they approach it. And um, talking about hedonic treadmill, I would I've definitely yeah, it's definitely a huge part of human psyche and uh, I'd, I'd recommend like the human the happiness lab podcast i don't know if you've ever heard of it happiness it's uh, uh, yeah happiness lab podcast it's run by this professor in yale um dr laurie santos okay. i think yeah that's that's her name um excellent podcast if you wanna if you wanna get to know about like happiness in general mm-hmm. hedonic treadmill and how to how to get out of hedonic treadmill yeah. and how to discuss it okay. we can touch a bit upon that yeah. today i think <laughs> we can this this whole podcast become can become a whole series of podcasts in its own <laughs> in its own right sure. uh but um yeah maybe like how i was approaching it i was also kind of will end up what you were discussing in terms of like finding that purpose of life mm-hmm. um the way i was thinking was when i approached it um well when i when i had these thought processes they were all over the place mm-hmm. um and along the years i've been able to like manifest them into yeah. one way out of how I think about it, which is essentially that no matter what the randomness is, mm-hmm. humans always will have a tendency to find patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, the human brain is hardwired to like find patterns everywhere and be able to think that things are causally related when they're not, when it's essentially correlation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and finding that pattern is part of evolution of how we grew up being trying to like uh, find patterns and how Mm-hmm. Um, how whether if an animal is attacking us, then what we sh- how we should respond, and and if we go in this direction, what what pattern would emerge? Mm-hmm. Um, so that pattern recognition is, is is human psyche, and I think that's how that's how humans approached it, and that's how like philosophies and religions kind of evolved, but it's essentially trying to fit a pattern to this chaos of future, right? Uh, like if you think about future is eternally just all randomness it's all probabilities uh, mm. stochastic distribution 
and then the past is just a complete order and you are trying to find a way to put that chaos in the future into an order in the past in a way that you like um and the way that humans have been approached to that is trying to find a pattern and a, a means of um rules so to say where they if they follow this then you can put it in the into a good order that you will like and then you will be proud of going forward and that's where religions kind of come in but at the end of the day if you like think about it scientifically it's all stochastic so mm-hmm. does it mean it's just all inhalistic right does it mean that life itself is there's nothing you can do in life that will make it worthwhile living um i yeah so that was like a big question i had for for a time and then uh no then it's I, the way i found found myself out of it is essentially i had this analogy kind of like if you think of and this is kind of also at the core of stoic philosophy which is if you think of life as a as a game right if you are the player of a game mm. if some unexpected in the game some unexpected event happens and then you were decreased in a level or your your health fell down or you literally died in the game Mm. uh what do you think your response would be if you were playing this what you get you'd uh, try again right yeah exactly right you'd be like oh you got me that game developer so that was a good challenge so let me try that again mm. um and that's the i think the mindset that stoic philosophy um kind of promotes which is essentially you think of this randomness as essentially a game mm. and you you ask uh, they call them the stoic gods you can call them anything you can call them fates you can just say oh that was a good challenge i did not expect that coming mm. okay but this is what i'm going to do to counter that so this is my move so if like if it's just move right your every move you strategize and play mm. different thing yeah but, I, i want to circle back to this uh, but first i want to talk about this whole thing of like choices and control uh, yeah I think and, the best example of this was when the sort of pandemic started if you remember um yeah. the pan- when the pandemic started initially when like the vaccines were not out basically nobody at least no individual had any control over it and we you know started doing things like you know cleaning our wiping our groceries and things like that um and I guess some people continue to do that for the most part I don't think it had much of an impact like after the point even the WHO came out saying that you know this is useless because most of yeah. most of it spreads through like airborne but the reason why people continue to do that and they still do like if you go to the gym even now they have you like wipe things wipe. down and yeah. uh, restaurants and public places will claim that we are wiping it and that sort of is is just giving some semblance of control that yes we you know we we're doing something we we are in control we're making this pro proactive choice of taking an action to counter it. and the, the the idea that you have absolutely no control over life is extremely <laughs> frightening and yeah. almost unacceptable to human beings um, yeah. no and it's so true like um yeah the other thing i did mention is like humans are hardwired to find patterns and also crave control yeah uh, if you feel like you don't have control of life you're basically mm-hmm. lost in the wilderness and that yeah you're spot on that that is a key driver of um, why humans want to fit a pattern and want to control the future and control their own life in the future right if mm-hmm. you think you have control over control over your life in the future yeah scientifically maybe not but <laughs> you you have control in how you respond um respond to events and that's where i think like the game analogy helped me which was essentially 
you have multiple games. Everyone approaches the games from different angles. Some play it for fun, some play it for something you choose to like play it for winning. But the main idea is that everyone chooses something. So that's what made me realize like at the end of the day, it's a choice. You can choose how you want to respond to something. You can choose your purpose. And that's when when someone says, go find your purpose. Mm-hmm. I, I re- for the longest time, I was like, how do I find my purpose? What's finding purpose like, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, yeah, you don't find a purpose. You choose your purpose. And uh, as soon as you get that, as for me, at least that realization took a lot of weight out of my hands. And I was like, because I was a lot of, I was thinking during that time, okay, how do I go to this place and find a purpose? Will I like it? Um, if I do take this path, will this path be my purpose? And mm. and at the end of the day, you just choosing something and going forward with it, mm. that is what defines your purpose. It's kind of like now that I'm learning more about business and strategy, it's kind of like the strategy decisions that you make. Yeah, um, Businesses at the end of the day have kind of perfected this art where essentially uh, they like I find a lot of resemblance now between how you want to lead a life and businesses where you have the strategic mindset to be able to like pick a direction, make a trade-off and say, this is what I'm going to choose. And this is how will I set apart from everyone else in the world. Mm. And then you have the operational efficiency to be able to deliver on that. Mm. But mm. the first part is about choosing what direction you want. And if the direction doesn't work, then you pivot. Mm. You choose another direction. You go mm. another way. But mm. being able to pick and choose one path. That's what I think what defines purpose at the end of the day. And yeah, that's where like, as soon as I had realized that, I figured, okay, it lifted a lot of weight on me. And then I was able to like, okay, I'm going to set this path. And among all the different paths I have, I'm just going to choose this one mm-hmm. and go with it. And if that, I'll make that my purpose. And if it doesn't pan out, I will pivot afterwards. And I think that is at the core of being able to find purpose. You don't find purpose. You make your own purpose. Um, and so I guess, yeah. On, on that note, like you mentioned stoicism and uh, like sort of connecting it to to the whole part, the initial point about the hedonic treadmill and, you know, the goal basically being like a better life, better quality of life and things like that. Um, my understanding of stoicism was or like the core is that how you feel is not a function of the external world. It is a function of the internal world. So like, for example, if you receive some bad news, your brain has the opportunity to interpret it as something positive, something neutral or something negative. And it's true for everything. So like, for example, if uh, this is not my example, I heard it somewhere. I don't know where, but like, for example, if, uh, someone you you hear the news that someone uh, is going to be having a party and that person does not invite you uh you feel like just listening instantaneous to reaction is yeah, yeah instantaneous reaction is that you feel bad yeah but if that information if that later you come to know that uh you know that that person had an accident and that's why they like they basically canceled the party they were going to invite you but they didn't um you don't feel as bad like you feel bad yeah. for the person who had an accident, but you don't feel bad in that sort of respect that, you know, I wasn't included in this sort of gathering. Now, the net effect on you was that you didn't get invited to that party, you never went. But uh, the way your mind sort of perceived and framed it changed your sort of thing completely. And maybe this is not the best example for what I'm trying to say, but 
the whole point of stoicism is that how you get affected by the external world is more about how you let it like the, between the action happening and your brain sort of reacting to it there is this moment where you can you know choose to go in any direction is is that like a fair sort of understanding of stoicism or yeah and and to be honest that's what i was going to go to next like now that like when once i understood like okay this is the you are in control of your choices mm. how you choose is where um what you choose and how you choose is where religions and philosophies okay. uh, and that is in my opinion where they are really good at which is giving you a structured way of thinking mm. okay i have these choices mm. which of these choices um should i choose and like which of them would be the best for me or for the people around me and humans are social animals right we want uh, the social acceptance and that's where you're spot on with stoic philosophy that how stoic philosophy approaches it is essentially the external events are all random mm. what you have control over is how you respond to those external events yeah. so like you said like the emotions and all your choices are internal mm. and you can choose that i don't really care about that invite or you can choose that all hell's broken loose because mm. i didn't get that invite mm. yeah but those are the extremes of those choices and how you choose dictates not just your wealth and your not just your health mental health and like well-being but also it dictates how you come across to other people right yeah so a lot of it is uh, is is in your hand in terms of like how you respond to these external choices like um, to be honest like yeah if you get some reject um like we're going through a lot of this right now mm-hmm. with the like job rejections right um that's where if you get a job rejection it's really hard because it's like an instant evaluation that you are not good enough yeah right but then how you respond to that is still under your control yeah and you can say i don't think i am not good enough i think you are not good enough for me that's why yeah. i didn't get this job yeah. or you can think um that this is this job is not for me if you go by the hindu philosophy with about like fate and um yeah. karma which is basically you will end up getting what you actually deserve yeah then you will you will reason it out and you will approach that choice saying i don't think this was the job for me so i didn't get it i'm going to go keep looking for the other job and so the way you reason it is dictated or can be held in a way by these philosophies yeah. by religion or and it's it's that's why i think in even in modern times religion and philosophies have a role to play yeah. especially now because is whenever an event kind of happens that kind of threatens you they are kind of there's the limbic system that can have the fight or flight response system yeah there's an instant reaction for you to to think everything in your in in your life is at stake yeah. right that your that your life is at stake if you don't get this job yeah yeah um, that's the instant reaction you get and because we're no longer in a physical world and a lot of a lot of actions today impact us psychologically Yeah. we think that all life is going to break loose and then we have a more psychological response and that's why I, i honestly think like religion would be and spirituality philosophy uh, you can choose aristotle philosophy mm-hmm. uh, they provide you a structured way how you can reach that good life where you make the good decisions you make a mm-hmm. decision that would be good for you in the long term but also good for others that you are in a relationship with um and that's what's fascinating about all of this is that they kind of lead on mm. one to another right um and kind of 
yeah, getting back to what you said about stoic philosophy, um, at the core of it, yes, it's more about like how you respond to it, yeah. but also it's also like how you can like uh, there's a misconception that stoic philosophy is like no emotions at all, mm. just because the word stoic means not, not mm. showing emotions. But in reality, stoic philosophy is about how you deal with the down events yeah. and how you respond to those events yeah. that dictate your choices and your future. Yeah. And that's what stoic philosophy is all about, and it's it's it's, it's fascinating if you read more about it there's tons of other podcasts and uh, that we could recommend or books that you can read about it for sure and what is the what is the like the the, the slogan or the phrase or the parable that's just like one which one probably give, uh, give me the strength to something 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 yeah possibly different books have different things um one like in a recent podcast on hidden brain i'd heard one was by this author and he basically said in any situation, how you judge whether you've done good is basically, have I done the best I can mm. with what I have in the time that I have um, mm. or with the resources that I have? Mm. So any kind of preparation or any um, reaction that you have, you just try to judge whether you've done your best in that situation yeah. with yeah. what you have. I don't know if that's what you were referring to. Yeah, no, I think I found it. It's called the serenity serenity there and it goes like god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change um courage to change the things i can and wisdom to know the difference um yeah so. i think i think there's probably a question there i've heard that too and i definitely um i definitely resonate with that it's, it's very powerful in the sense of I, I i don't know the roots i've always heard it in the context of stoicism so i just really okay um, possibly uh, i'm not entirely sure of the roots as well yeah. um i heard it in a christian context but <laughs> But yeah, no, I've, and at the core of it, I've, I've seen those kind of philosophies in every religion that I've, I've heard about. Or um, Buddhism kind of approaches it in a very different way. Basically, mm. you renounce everything yeah. uh, and you kind of live a, and it's it's one way, right? It's one way of looking at it's, external events. Like, I don't, don't I, care I about it. This out of all of this is that if there's something that you cannot change, there's no point like losing sleep over because you can't change. Yeah. And um, sort of for corollary of this, which I've really started following because I'm someone who's very, very anxious and I always keep thinking about the future and like there are results that I want. And like that sort of philosophy is that there's no point worrying about the future because then you suffer twice, once in your imagination and once in reality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... and Nine times out of ten, the thing never pans out as bad as you need to be. Like your imagination is probably the most sort of negative. Uh... Yeah, there's this quote I think by I forget who is by by, um, but it's about like uh, free falling or like jumping off a cliff. Hmm. Like exactly what you said, you hmm. you suffer twice because it's only until you jump that you're like thinking tons and ex- thinking about experiences how it'll be, it'll be bad. But when you're actually jumping, when you take a leap of faith, it's it's actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, just the getting over that fear and the, the human mindset is a part of it. And you're right, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's a philosophy. I, I like I, when I heard that phrase, I've been trying to follow that as well, which is trying to figure out what's in your control. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, that also kind of like ties into what stoic philosophy is like figuring out what's in your control, what's not in your control, mm-hmm. uh, and try to only focus on the ones that is in your control. And that's yeah, um, definitely good way to look at it.
And I, I, a quick sidebar on like on this, I feel like this whole concept of, you know, suffering twice in your imagination thing can also be flipped on its head as a positive thing. So I don't know if this is a thing for you, but I've uh, experienced that the anticipation of like something exciting, like for example, a holiday or a party or something that I'm really looking forward to planning it, thinking about sometimes being more like gives me more happiness yeah. than the thing itself. Uh, and that's sort of like literally this concept flipped on its head where, you know, you enjoy it twice once in your imagination, once in reality. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that gets to kind of the common critic about stoic philosophy, which people think is like just ignore all emotions, mm. but it's about ignoring the downside of the emotion. Mm. Um, and exactly. You get to choose whether you want to enjoy it twice or not. Mm. Uh, so you preferably want to enjoy twice the, the good side of life, not the bad side of life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of discussion of like this in the philosophy and with Aristotle. Like we're having this kind of executive virtue development lab right now, which talks about Aristotelian ethics and Aristotelian the Nicomachean philosophy, which is essentially about how do you choose your virtues? How do you mm -hmm. try to lead the good life? And I think at the end of the day, that's what it is. Like being able to be human and try to choose a way of life that is consistent with um, with kind of, they call it human flourishing or in the Aristotelian philosophy, but essentially it's, it's, it's a life that you would be proud of looking back and also a life that is well accepted within the societal norm because humans are, are social creatures at the end of the day and living that life having those virtues and trying to build on those virtues every single day mm. kind of reinforces you reinforce those virtues by the choices you make um, and yeah like, like the discussion evolved from like having to choose and now like how you choose mm. Um, mm. and i guess then we can like discuss about how you maintain that choice mm. um, and that's that's the other end of the extreme where how do you like one hit wonders are, are good but sometimes but you have to like sustainability is a big thing right now as in being able to like sustain your mental health is, mm -hmm. is a consideration mm -hmm. and that's where i personally have found like meditation to be the best way but i don't know what what are your thoughts on that so i in fact <laughs> ironically the last episode i recorded was with akansha about the benefits of meditation all oh, right <laughs> uh, in that episode i asked her because uh, so I'll give you like a quick Cliff Notes version of that discussion. Um, I, I've tried meditation and especially in like in Indian schools and in, in like, you know, primary school, you have compulsory yoga classes where they force you to meditate. Uh, and I always found it absolutely useless because I had no patience to sit and imagine myself in a park. I'd rather be in the park. Um, off late in the past couple of years when, you know, life has been stressful, especially when the pandemic hit, I tried uh, meditation again on the, after watching, I think it was a, Matt Diavella video where he tried meditation for 30 days and he said he could. So I tried it out, I downloaded the Headspace app and while I was doing it the first day, like my returns on investment of my time were very, very high. Like I felt really, really good and I felt a little relaxed. Then the second day, not so much. The third day, not so much. And by like, I don't know, maybe I did it for like four or five days more by the end of it. Like while I was meditating, I was like, you know, this is, I could be doing something more productive with my time than, you know, just sitting here. So there. I stopped getting like any sort of benefit out of it. And I've also come to the intuition and I think that's what Akansha also said was that apart from like meditation, you also need to reframe your 
like a thought process uh so like i don't know last week i heard on one of the podcasts where he was like he was quoting from some book where it goes something along the lines of you look at the mirror and look at the person in there and then for like a week uh that person will take away all your responsibilities all the stresses in your life that you have to sort of work towards how do you feel what will you do now and and then in, in the end it's like okay no i can't give it to you for a week i'll only give it to you for like a minute but then how does that feel so basically sort of disassociating yourself from you know the the shackles of life quote and quote like your expectations and all of that once you do that and i think in <clears throat> meditation then maybe it starts becoming effective is sort of my stance on it right now because i've just tried the meditation thing and it feels nice at first but it has no long now what has sort of been what is your no that's a that's a powerful yeah thought process like i think you're right that meditation and kind of mindfulness is at the end of the day is forces you to like slow down mm. and try to dissociate yourself from the external pressures that's mm. what the goal of meditation is yeah. right and if obviously there are different ways you can get to that stage yeah. meditation is one way yeah uh, and if you are if you are able to dissociate yourself from like just looking in the mirror and and imagine those different situations like you mentioned mm-hmm. i think that's powerful too mm-hmm. and at the core of it yeah meditation is about being able to detach yourself mm-hmm. from the external world and the ties that you have mm-hmm. by trying to be introspective and seeing your reactions to those external components mm-hmm. so we all have like this multitude of thoughts every time and being able to slow down and see and pin down one thought like just yesterday we were at this DSTL session for mm-hmm. feedback and and yeah Sara the instructor she was talking about this exact thing which is mm-hmm. like you just able to like take a deep breath slow down your mind mm-hmm. see this kind of cloud of thought coming in and mm-hmm. being able to pin down that thought and say i recognize that this thought is there in my mind mm-hmm. how is it impacting me how am i responding to that thought mm-hmm. and then put it aside and try try again so meditation is not about there's no perfect meditation where yeah. you will be a zen master at the end of the day yeah uh, even zen masters basically they'd be just a process right mm-hmm. uh like thoughts always come in and that's i think even um even in the waking up this one um sam harris talks about it where essentially there is no way that you get rid of these thoughts yeah there is no way where you completely dissociate yourself if you completely do they are basically nirvana or something yeah, yeah. right and uh, <laughs> that's pr- practically infinity for yeah. for purposes of science sciences um so you're not able to reach there so it's a method of being able to get there once at a yeah. time and i think that kind of ties into this other component we talk about which was like growth mindset mm. um and they're related obviously which where essentially you don't think of yourself as fixed right mm. you are not a, a set sum of skills you yeah. are a constantly evolving set of skills you are constantly yeah. evolving your thought process and being able to recognize that mm. has helped me at least mm. quite a bit being okay i don't know finance now Mm-hmm. I'm not I probably fail this exam now yeah. but doesn't mean that I will fail it in the future. I can change and learn all those skills along the way and make myself better. Mm-hmm. But that's a choice I make. And so that is the growth mindset. And I think it kind of ties in really well with what you're saying about uh, changing your how you approach your life, changing your mindset uh, is also part of the equation. Yeah, that for sure growth, growth mindset I think is literally the difference between people who are very successful in life that are it. and i think another reframing of it is um the people with fixed mindsets feel that their sort of competencies are fixed in the sense that 
oh, I'm not someone who can do finance, or I'm not someone who's good at math, and I'm not someone who can do um, X, this X, Y, Z activity. Whereas a growth mindset is anything can be learned, anything can be picked up. Uh, you just need to give it time. And and then again, um, if you start getting into it, there's this, all this, you know, principles about 10,000 hours, this and that. Like, no, no, is it 10,000 hours? 20 hours? Uh, 10,000 hours. Um, and there's Cal Newport's, this one about deep uh, deep work as well. Yeah. So yeah. Really good. yeah. So, I mean, those things are there as like sort of, if you dive deeper, um, for sure. But I want to take another sort of sidebar and ask you about, like when you talk about meditation, is meditation, in your opinion, also a form of escapism? Um, like, is meditation the same thing as binge watching a TV show on Netflix where you sort of, you know, disconnect from your real life and you've just, just you know, watched seven or eight episodes of something and or reading a That's, a, that's a fascinating book. question. Uh, where you know you transported there and you sort of disconnect is is that sort of the same thing or is it different yeah no that's a fascinating question i think at the core of it if if, like netflix binge watching is about trying to disconnect from the world and just like distract yourself that's a distraction component right where you want to get away from the world i will to get away from it what i will do is i will distract myself with this meaningless binge watch which i don't really care about if that's the meaning i get right Meditation, on the other hand, is slightly different. There is a, a component of dissociation with the world where you want to get away from the world, mm-hmm. but there is a huge, a bigger emphasis on introspection. Mm. Like I mentioned, mm. um, it's not just about like taking all thoughts away. Mm. It's about recognizing one thought and seeing your impact on it and its impact on you, right? So it's not like where you're distracting yourself and not just Mm. not thinking about some other x this one but thinking about why mm. uh, uh, about why show uh, meditation is about not uh, not fleeing away from that x um, thing that's bothering you mm. but looking at that x straight on mm. from a third person perspective mm. and seeing okay i recognize that you are there in my life. I recognize that this is a big elephant in the room mm. how is this elephant impacting me Mm. And how am I, how can I control the elephant or what, what is my role to play in the elephant mm. or along the elephant? And that's where I think escapism, as you mentioned, is slightly different where you are trying to avoid, and you just put a curtain around the elephant and just avoid it altogether by mm. looking the other way. Mm. But meditation is about, you try to remove yourself from your person, you look at it from a third person perspective and think, look at the dynamic in the, in the, in the room. And mm. seeing how that uh, how that elephant is affecting you and how you have influence on the elephant too. So that is a introspective component. I think I think that's why meditation hasn't worked for me because I've only sort of used it as a form of escapism. Like in meditation, when you start, especially when you do a guided meditation, you'll say, okay, focus on your breathing and imagine feel the weight of your hands and your legs and things like that. You're basically trying to divert from like any thoughts. Focusing on your breathing yeah. is sort of that for that five minutes you're literally not thinking about anything else and just your breathing which is like a very simple um easy thing to focus. and that sort of introspection disassociation part is sort of addressing the elephant and i yeah. think that's the bit that's sort of missing for me and i think that's that's harder to do you can't like just download an app and start yeah reflecting. and that's like I, I definitely agree it's like the if you can think of it as like probably in my opinion, mine would be the second level. Mm. But a key requirement for that is being able to dissociate yourself. Mm. So the escapism part, I think, is still a, a layer of it, 
Mm. Where you are able to dissociate yourself from your single person and go into the third person. Mm. But I think you are stuck at going to the third person and just looking elsewhere. <laughs> maybe like now yeah. turn turn to yourself and see, okay, what am I most worried about now? Yeah. Uh, why am I worried about it? And start yeah. questioning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And painting freaking holes in that kind of dam. And just sometimes it's just gonna I've done that. Like sometimes yeah. it's just overwhelms you and then you realize okay now you just let go all of those emotions mm. and it's like the past losing out and it's good mm. um, i think that's the other part of human like at least now that i've seen kind of i when i volunteered at this crisis line there's a huge taboo on mental health that no one wants to talk about it mm. no one wants to talk about emotions no one, talk, no one wants to talk about if you're depressed or if you're feeling sad mm. but the more you hide it away the more you look away from it the bigger it's going to get and at the end of the day you when it explodes you are you will be overwhelmed mm-hmm. i think that's that that's where meditation helps you prevent it before you get to that stage where you can try to fix it fix it or try to like understand its impact on you before it get gets to overwhelm you know not able to control fascinating and yeah we can like <laughs> talk about it for ages together yeah I think it's going it's already been like a fairly long podcast let's let's I think begin to wrap up so is there anything else you want sure. to like sort of touch upon or um no I would love to do another <laughs> another set uh, keep this discussion going um sure. I think there's a lot to discuss about yeah emotions and every every sort of competition we like yeah. like we said right even that sort of 10000 hours learning group mode that can have its own sort of episode yeah. but like just to sort of summarize I think we started off with like you know human beings craving control and we live in a actually why don't you go ahead and summarize <laughs> yeah. um yeah no i think i think to summarize um i'll, I'll keep it short and sweet i would just yeah. say the kind of takeaways and yeah. if the too long didn't read version of this entire podcast was essentially like you don't have control over external events they're all random what you have control over is your choices so take care like, take charge of your choices set your own purpose and then choose those choices according to your set of values whatever you choose either spiritual philosophical or religious but choose according to values that you want to lead that kind of good life and then maintain that across the across the years through meditation and just not forget exercise you need mm. good physical body so that would be the cliff notes portion <laughs> nice okay so that wraps it up um i have like there's this question i ask at the end of every episode is there something insightful that you've you know read heard thought about for weeks um related unrelated to the topic we've been um i've been listening to this podcast uh the stanford communication podcast called think fast and so um, it's it's fascinating it's a, it's it's a, just about communication and how to uh, communicate and i think there was a lot of good discussion there about how you should communicate your ideas mm-hmm. um they have bring in a lot of guest speakers um the one thought i recently i had when 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 they suggested was essentially key ingredients for any presentation or any communication essentially is knowing your audience um knowing what intent you want and setting the intent in what you communicate and the third was around messaging in terms of like how you phrase them so a whole other discussion about communication and effective communication that I'm uh, that interests me on the other side but uh, 
things out, uh, out outside what we discussed today. No, I know you, that's an area of interest for you as well. That and your uh, movement against salt. <laughs> yeah, we should probably follow up on that. I haven't, uh, haven't done much on that, that movement. Salt, anti-salt movement. Yeah, anti-salt movement. Mm, you like the reverse Gandhi. <laughs> yeah, um, as a, yeah, I think for anyone, for people from other sections who didn't hear the, we heard the, yeah, my pitch against salt. It was so as part of MCV course last term. It was, yeah. it was a fun event. Yeah. Chandan gave a very moving speech on against salt as part of the MCV. Was it the extempore speech exercise? Yeah, it was like the two minute speech exercise <laughs> based right. on a prompt. Okay. Final question, Chandan. Who would you like to see featured on this podcast next? Yeah, I had I had a good thought about it, and obviously every single person in the <laughs> in the Rotman community is really fascinating to get to know. But I think someone I'd like to if I had to nominate, I'd nominate someone who wouldn't nominate themselves. And I think Yuri, your guy um, from our class, he's, he was my ex-teammate as well from last term. And he's someone who's really fascinating, done a lot in life. And even though, yeah, a lot, it is very down to earth and would never nominate himself to speak out in, in the public. So I would rather nominate him. No, that's a, that's a very good uh, suggestion. And then I've, I, I don't, I've never spoken to Yuri. The only thing I know is that we both have the same great choice of breakfast, which is silent. <laughs> uh, we both have a bottle of that in class, but like I've seen, I've seen his sort of answers in, in class. Like he, he's never the one to sort of be trigger happy with raising his hand, but whenever he does answer, it's like, um, yeah. yeah, he'd probably be an interesting have, I will definitely. But uh, with that said, thank you so much for joining me today. Chand. This was long time coming. I'm, really like the topic you chose and uh, this episode was really fun for me to personally record because I didn't feel like I was the host in this podcast a you sort of uh, you know took charge of it as well but like I did not have to um, like I have fun on every podcast episode but there's a part of me that's also sort of parallelly navigating through like the conversation topic through the structure to make sure like everything goes in flow so I'm not 100% able to immerse myself in the conversation. Whereas today, um, that wasn't the case. Like I wasn't really thinking about where the conversation. So um, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> how how no was it for you? No, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, like a, like a lot of other people. And this is the first time I am on a podcast. So thank you for inviting me. Um, as, I, as I kind of alluded to before, I had an idea of like running a podcast myself. So this has been a good journey. Um, so an exciting introduction to podcasting. So we'll see if I take it up in the future. I, I think you definitely should, man. Uh, I think uh, you should you should uh, start a podcast. Everything that you know you you passionate about. Uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of different things and nothing focused <laughs> and no, no strategic uh, advantage or uh, edge on that front. Yeah, it'll be a lot of diversity. Yeah, but it'll still be on the efficient frontier. <laughs> the efficient frontier. <laughs> Nice. Wonderful. But yeah, this, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Likewise. Right?